All right, here we go. Um, what about, what about, um, here we go. Okay, so I think that this is going to be basically our last class dealing with uh, our uh, discussion here about uh, whether there's estrospheres in the ore or not estrospheres in the ore. Uh, we talked about three different levels in terms of the kalim, uh, the pnimisa keli, chitsonisa keli, the inyan of the parsa. Um, it's an interesting thing that we see that the Rebbe here basically goes off on, it's not really a tangent because we remember what we're talking about. We have to, I mean, we sort of forgot what we we're talking about for a while. It's been, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. But uh, our main discussion here was when a person doesn't do a mitzvah zaseh, and if he does, he's over on a mitzvah zaseh. And what happens to the or and what happens to the keli, right? We now went through a whole discussion here on who, you know, what's the name of the or? Who is the or? Who's the keli? What's the keli? Okay, so we've been talking about this probably for about six or seven classes. Uh, this, you know, basically two paragraphs uh, in the mimer. Uh, but we have, but we have about one more paragraph to go, uh, and then basically it comes back to where we started. But now, then it goes into it in a much more uh, uh, developed manner, in terms of going through, uh, literally going through the whole Krishna Shalamita, right? All those paragraphs over there that are in little print about people that are forgetting about. Uh, saying uh, Krishna and things like that. Obviously, anyone that's reading those little paragraphs probably didn't forget about putting on tefillin that day. Um, so, obviously, it has a deeper and a totally different meaning than it what it seems to be saying. It says, yeah, it says that you would cobble upon yourself like a stoning, but you don't get stoning. Right. So, we have to understand what that is. In other words, we have to understand uh, what are the real uh, averas that are taking place. Because clearly, it's not... It's not a person that forgot to say Krishma. It's clearly not a person that forgot to put on tefillin. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're busy saying those little paragraphs, then you probably put on tefillin that day. Um, so there's two things that we have to understand. We have to understand what exactly is the deeper meaning of the quote-unquote avera that was done. And number two is how does this form of death penalty essentially atone and fix up what really happened. Okay, so those are the two discussions, and that goes on, I think, all the way through to the next mimer, right? So it's going to go for a while, this whole discussion. Um, but let's, let's, let's continue where we're holding now. We're, we uh, left off, uh, I think, we're on the Mahamedida Bahagbala, uh, which now is coming back to the idea of uh, the, that the Kalim Sochakol are essentially the ones that are doing the measuring. They're essentially the ones that are doing the Hagbala, setting up the boundaries. Now, having said that, we said that we had a shtickle question on this because really there is a difference between Pnimis HaKelim and Chitzonis HaKelim. And then we said there's a further difference with regards to the Na'al, otherwise known as the Parsa. Right? So, <coughs> in essence, we gave an example last time uh, of Machshaba and Dibor. And we said that Pnimis HaKelim, in a certain way, is similar to Machshaba. In other words, the panemius of the keli is for the receiving of the or. And in essence, what Hasidus talks about in terms of panemius of kelim is really the panemius of keli is very much, is very much, why are they calling me from the house? Hold on. So these things don't happen. Okay. So anyway, so, so what we're saying here is that really panemius of keli, right, is for the receiving of the or. In such Really, what we're going to say is that there's a distinction between Pnimis Akeli and Chitzonis Akeli in that the Pnimis Akeli is really Davuk to the Or. Masha Enkain, 
the chitzonis akeli is really made for the other. In our mashal, we talked about speech. It's true that in speech, when I'm speaking, I'm also gaining, so to speak, on the deal, and I'm learning a lot more, and I'm actually going, like it says in the Hemshech Ranat, going even to a higher level than Machshava. However, the whole Nakuda of speech is really for the other. Right? I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for you. Right? So the same thing is involved in Chitzonis HaKelim. Chitzonis HaKelim is about the idea of the other. Okay, let's go inside and let's, let's see if we can read through this a little bit. Medida Bahagbala. Okay, so this is, again, <coughs> going back to square one. Right? In other words, we just thought we got some, somewhere, and all of a sudden, now we, we, we totally crush ourselves here with this line. Josh is laughing. Yeah. Why are you laughing, Josh? Tell it's us. It's like, it hits us, it just goes boom, and it hits us now. Right. And basically saying what? Saying that... There's a medida of the kav. But that the kav is doing the medida. So the or is doing the... Now, what does he mean here when he says, medida veha kelim? Why does he have to add the kelim to this whole story? The, does the or make the kelim? I mean, they're contained in the or You have to... Have, what, what, based on what we've been talking about, why does it, why does it say that the kav is making a medida in the kelim? What what do we say about the about the cop about the ore? How how can the ore be making a measurement in the Kaylee? Maybe it's measuring the specific light for the Kaylee. Well, what does it mean? Measure the simple. It says here it's Dafka making a shemayde medias haoris veha Kaylee. Now, does the ore make Kaylee? Yes or no? no? No. Good. Thank God you answered that right. Right. That would have given me a very hard. Maybe a little bit of heartburn. <laughs> okay. Clearly, the ore is not making the keli, right? We said the keli is coming from the etzim of the Abishur himself, right? We're talking about going back up before the tzimtzum. We're talking about two different sources, right? The source of the ore and the ore source of the keli. So ore does not make the keli. Clearly, ore does not make the keli. Everyone's with me? Yeah. So how could it be that we're saying that the kav is mited? Right? It's measuring out for the keli. Answer, because we talked about this. We talked about that as the panemius of the, right, of the ore gets broken off, right, what happens? The chitzonius of the ore drops down, right? That also gives room for the keli to drop down. So you're going to have a situation where the keli is not being made from the ore, but the the the, so to speak, the lower level of ore is going to allow more kalim to come out. If you have more water, think about our muscle back to the ocean and the salt. If you have more water, the salt is going to be in that water. As you take away the water, now this doesn't really work in Bapayal for an imshul because this we're talking about quantity as opposed to quality. But let's just talk about this for a second. The more water that disappears, right, the more salt you could possibly have that's going to drop down. The water does not make the salt. But the absence of water will allow more salt uh, molecules, whatever, the NaCl, right, to drop down in order that there should be a revelation of the salt. Now, that's a very, very bad muscle. But a little bit bends our minds to this. So, yes, the kav is, in fact, the kav is, in fact, going to impact the kelim. 
because based on how much ore is being measured out is going to also measure out how many kalim are able to drop down in order to make the keli into a, so to speak, a receptacle for the ore that's going to come down in it. Now he says like this, Vahagam, right? We know here comes the question. Now presumably the question it's going to have something to do with what we just talked about. That's our question. That's our question. That's what we just said. How in the world, if we're saying that the kav is the root of the drawing down of the orange of bligvul, how in the world can we say that this is measuring also everything else, the keli? Who the answer is, Oh, what does that sound like? The Ramak, good. That sounds very much like the Moshe Kardavera's point of view, right? Because where is, the, where is the limitation coming from, according to the Ramak? From the Rishima. The Rishima is what's making the limitation, right? Shehu bechines kayach Okay, this is a phrase from, from Zayar, right, which talks about uh, the idea of in the, so to speak, in the total purity, you have a engraving, so to speak, of letters, right? So that's the original, uh, so to speak, limitation, kaviachal, which you can't really say is a real limitation, but it's a some. What of a limitation? That sounds very similar to what we're talking about in terms of the Ramak's Torah. This sounds very similar. That now the ore, which is Pashat, goes into the Rishima. The Rishima is going to make an impression upon the ore, which will then cause the ore to have Kaviachal and Esrospheros in the ore. You following the background? Everyone's with me? Yeah. Right? If you haven't been here for the last uh, week, it's very hard. You know, Solomon's just coming in here, so uh, it's very hard, but... but what is Galif? Galif, Galifu means that it will be engraved, an engraving in the Tahira Ilah, in this highest level. So it's a, it's a quote from the Zayar. It's quoted throughout Hasidus, this idea. So, that in this purest light, that all of a sudden now there's going to be some sort of impression upon it. Right? But I still don't understand why would less or you would have more Kalim. The reason why is that it, as you have a limitation, it's all flowing together. So as you have a limitation on the ore, there's more of a potential that the kalim are going to drop down and they're going to come out. Think about the example that I gave to you before of water and salt in the ocean. As the water evaporates, then yeah, there's like, more of an opportunity to see the salt that's coming out. You have more potential coming in from the Rishimo? No, 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 don't make up... No, 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 not more potential coming in from the Rishimo. It's... It's a different thing altogether. As you limit the ore, the kalim drop down. Let's go further. You'll ask me more after, because you haven't been here for like a... We've been dealing with the same concept in, in the, for like a week and a half of all these years. You can listen to the recording. It'll be good. And through this then, it comes out that there's a medida v'hagbala in the kav. Oh, look at that. What does that say? say? That was a very interesting idea. The mitzad atzma who bechinas bligvul. This is exactly what the Ramak is saying, right? It's not, it's not the ore itself that's having a medida nakbal on itself. Right, right. It's not the ore itself. The ore itself is bligvul, right? That's the idea of what we were saying before. That who is making the who is making the impression? 
who's making the impression is what is the Rishima. Right? So you have to say, look, look what he says. Look at the words. This is Mamish exactly what we've been talking about for the last week. This is exactly this point. He just, this is the first time he really spells it out. It's not mitzad itself. That's exactly what we've been saying. Right? Because the kav that's coming, breaking through the, the eagle agadol, right? Is a pure blue, blue light. That's what he says. The mitzad atzma hubechin is blee gvul. What did you say? From the point of view, from the point of view, right? So from the point of view of itself, mitzad itself, it's blee gvul. It's infinite light. Umashu bebechin is kavamida zehu mitzad kayach agvul. That's the kayach agvul. So where is the kayach agvul going to come out? Umashikasu bemakom acher. As he explained elsewhere, right? This is all these different Maimarim are discussing this idea, right? The Kav itself has two Hafachim. That on the one hand, it's carrying the Bleakful light. And then it has a limitation. That would be the Kayach Agvul that's in it. How much and what light is going to come out? And how much limitation is going to be in the Kli? Like we said, because based on how much ore is coming out, that's how much the Kli is going to be able to receive. If you're going to be shining huge amounts of light, so then the Kli that's able to receive that light is going to be on a very high level. If, however, you remove a lot of that light, so all of a sudden you could have a much more coarse keli that's going to come down. It's going to be able to receive the next level of light. Remember what we're talking about here. You have the light with the, with the, with the, with the salt in it, so to speak, with the keli in it. As the ore breaks up, right, as the ore comes up, the sea look up, the light comes up, right, the higher level comes up, what happens is now you have a symptom on every single level of the whole Seyed of The keli drops down, Right? The lower level Kaylee is able to drop down. And then the Kaylee is able to do what? It's able to be a magnet for the next level of light that's going to come into it. And that's the way it works at each particular level. As the ore, the higher level ore, right? It, it pulls up, right? The lower level ore is able to drop down. The Kaylee are dropping down. But what level Kaylee are going to be dropping down? Not a higher level Kaylee. The higher level Kaylee is up there. Now the lower level Kaylee is able to drop down. What happens once the lower level Kaylee drops down? It acts as a magnet for the ore to come into it, right? This is the very famous question that it also begins in the, in the Hemshech or not. The question is, why should the ore go into the Kaylee? <laughs> same question, right? This is the same question is, why should a, uh, a teacher teach a student? Why should a, right? It's, it's like he brings a number of different mashalim for this same idea, right? Why should the ore want to go into the keli? If the ore is on a higher level than the keli, why should the ore want to come into the keli? What's the answer? The answer is, that explains it or not, that the keli source is a higher source. Since the keli source is a higher source, inherently, the ore wants to be drawn into it. Same thing with a man and a wife. Right? Man and wife. Why should a man want to, want to get married to a wife? Right? So, but Payal Mamish, because the wife's source is from a higher source, and the man is also feeling that energy and wants to go after a wife, wants to be married to a wife. Right? The teacher is gaining more from teaching to a student because he's able to, because the student it draws out that level within him also. What were you going to say? It sounds like the Kali is more from the source of like Tikkun. No, no, this is way before, way before all that stuff. This is, way, this is way, way before. Right? So, what we're saying here, right, because the, the Kali is from the etzim of the Abishter itself, 
right? The or is, a, so to speak, a reduction, so to speak. It's, a, it's or. Or is main amor, that's true, right? But the, but the, but the keli itself is from, from the atzmus, right? Okay, let's go weiter. We're plowing through this now. <laughs> because we got to get forward. we got to move on. Right? Vegam bekelim atzmah. Vegam bekelim atzmah. Did I skip? No. Vegam bekelim atzmah. Yesh gimel madregas. We know there's gimel madregas. What are the gimel madregas? Shehem bechinis pnimius. Veemtsois vechitsoinis. Now, we've now added a new word. Emtsoi. We didn't say emtsoi before. This is from, right? The Eitz Chaim talks about this. Vakol babamida valpi maimer kavamida. But it's all going to come out through the kavamida. How is it going to be the penimius akalim? How much ore is going to come down? And how much is going to be able to limit it? How much is going to be able to be limited and how much is the, of the ore is going to come out? I'm, automat- I'm by definition going quickly through this. Move on. Automatically, we can see next page. Okay, so now we're adding a new thing. Okay? We're now, or, we're now adding a concept called Sitra Acher. Right? We, up until now, we didn't discuss this. Don't ask me a hard question. Okay, go ahead. There's, in, in, the, in the last two lines, we said that he said he's spashtus or, and then he said or, but he's spashtus. Is one in, internally spashtus, one's an external? Right, right. Pinimis of Kalim basically are davuk to the or. Right, they're constantly cleaving to the ore. So, pnimis akalim stick with the ore. Chitzonis akalim is the idea of dropping down. Right, the, the chitzonis akalim is what comes out. Interesting here, it doesn't mention the parsa at all. But now we're adding one more step to this whole thing. Where does sitra acher fit into this whole story? If it's all ore, right, which is the revelation of the abishter. And Kaili, which is coming from Atmos or in Atmos of the Abishur himself, right? And regardless of whether you look at it from Oris Pshutim or it's Mitsuyarim, however the whichever way in the argument in Kabbalah that you're gonna look at it, the bottom line is it's all Hashem. Right? It's Hashem coming out. So why in the world and where in the world do you all of a sudden get this idea of a Sitra Acher? It totally makes no sense. Right? And on one level. I mean obviously the bottom line is that Abish is creating it. Right? That goes without saying. But like, at what stage does that fit into the whole story? How could it fit into the whole story if that everything's... Let's move on. So it's automatically understood. What do we just say? What do we just say? Strength of uh, uh, which word strength there? No, no word strength. We're just talking about what? The, the difference between the sitrach and the kedusha is dependent on the kav. Exactly. So once you say the kav is what's what's measuring everything, right? At every point, you have to say the kav is also what's measuring even this ultimate distinction, which is between sitra to kedusha to sitra acher. Right. I, I might have thought. That the, the Kav itself is the Kedusha. But I guess it's not saying that. No, the Kav is the measuring stick, right? I mean, obviously, everything is Kedusha. That's the whole point. <laughs> so, where do we get Sitra Acher from? That's a big question. 
but everything is on the level of Kedusha, right? Because there is no such thing as not Kedusha. I mean, what, what are you going to say? That the Kav is not Kedusha? Right? So you have to say that everything is Kedusha. So at what stage of the game do we even have Sitra Achor join in? That we're not dealing with. But what we are starting to deal with is that you have to say that the Kav, the Payal Mamish, is going to be the one that's going to measure it out. Because at every stage of the game, the Kav is what we've now decided is what's measuring everything in the whole Seder Ishtalshus. If the Kav is measuring everything in the whole Seder Ishtalshus, you have to say that the Kav is also measuring the Sitra Acher. Clear? Yeah. How much is what's the measurement? What's going to be the amount? Etc. Okay, so now we're introducing a new idea, something called the Parsa. Now, we mentioned the word Na'al before. Right in the, like the paragraph on the top of Memches, and we said that that's the parsa. So, what exactly is this parsa? Like, how does this whole thing work? So, one of the one of the greatest mashalim that I ever heard for the parsa is the parsa, which literally means a curtain. Right, is not just a removal. Like, in other words, each step of the of what we're talking about in terms of the keli being a hagabalah. Right? Because we're saying that the keli acts as a limitation to the or at every level. Right? And we said, okay, fine, the or may have a certain nitiya. We talked about this. We, we've gone into this already extensively. Right? But the main hagbala comes from the keli. And then we divide it up and we said, pnimisa keli, however, is davak in the or. So it's not really being so much of a hagbala per se, because it's more identifying with the or. Kitsonisa keli is where the hagbala comes in. But now we're adding a new step, a new concept called the parsa. So one mashal that I heard about the parsa, which was very, it, it, it um, really resonated with me, is if you can imagine, like, let's take a look at this page, right? So you have uh, hundreds of letters on this page. And these hundreds of letters on this page are all set out in a way that makes me understand information. Right? The whole idea of writing something down is to communicate information over to someone else. Right? And hopefully uh, you're not going to just look at the words and, and you know, translate the words. That's why Google Translate doesn't really work for learning Hasidus. Right? It, it may know the exact translation, but you don't understand what it's really talking about. You're going to take these words and you're going to bring them back into your brain and you're going to really develop the thought process. Right? So... The idea of a parsa is if you could push a button on the computer and it scrambles all the letters. That's what's going on with the parsa. So now you didn't really remove, so to speak, all the letters, right? Because they're still there. They're exactly there, right? In other words, no letter is missing. Every letter is the way, right? Every letter is on the page. It's just that it's so completely scrambled now that it doesn't act as the same type of, so to speak, communicator that it was before if the button was pushed. That's the concept of the parsa. Yeah? So if Hashem gives you some sort of blessing, like, I, I don't know, like wealth, so what the parsa does, instead of having the money shower directly upon you, you have to find it, like, it's like harder to see the blessing of the money, but it's still the blessing of the money, but it's not so directly seen. Um, it's not so much talking about that. It's more talking about the concepts of how you could have something in, in existence that is going, so to speak, against Hashem. If that's only, that's all there is here is Hashem. So how could you possibly have something like that? Not talking about my personal experiences in life. We're talking about, we're talking about 
the concept of how you could possibly have something that would look to be, right, appear to be something that is against Hashem. That's, that makes no sense. How could they possibly have? Like, at what stage of the game does that come into play? Right? We're talking about the whole, the whole way along that we've been discussing for now two weeks is how the or, <coughs> where the or is coming from before the Simpson, where the Kalim are coming from before, before the Simpson, even this idea of the way the Arizal explains it, the or, the way it is already has a tear in it, how that's even from a higher level before the Simpson, according to the Arizal, right? I mean, you're talking about Hashem Mamish. I mean, you're talking about godliness. You're not talking about the Abishar himself, but you're talking about godliness. Like, how could you have a concept that is a sitra acher? Like, where, where does that come from? How could that ever possibly, you know, at what point? Right? If you have blue paint and you keep on going with blue paint and blue paint and blue paint and blue paint and blue paint, like, where in the world are you going to get yellow paint? How could that be? Like, at what stage? Where, where does it come from? Right? Like, that's, that's, that's a very interesting meditation that you could do before davening. But, like, at what point can you possibly ever have? something that is, so to speak, other than Hashem. Now, that applies both to a table. Let's talk about Forget about the Sitra Ach. Talk about a table. Table is an, an innocent, you know, bystander, you know, neutral, <laughs> whatever. But you know, when I see this table, I'm not thinking, oh, Hashem. I'm thinking, oh, this is a nice piece of wood, whatever. It hasn't, there's this extent, there's the extent of a human being, right? And there's an extent of even going take it take it to the next step, which we're saying here is this mamish acher that you are mamish seeing something that's pushit going against the Ibishtar. How can you have such a thing? It makes no sense. It's totally irrational. Like where if, if all the tools that you're using are Hashem, so how could you possibly have something that is denying this concept? Well, yes and no, because there's certain things you can you elevate to Galilee and certain things you cannot, right? We learned that in Tanya, right? That's a basic how, idea. How could you not elevate things to Galilee if they were Galilee in the first place? Exactly. So this is a very, very interesting question. Exactly. And that's the idea that there's, like we talk about in the sixth chapter of Tanya, there's something called three klip, three levels of klipa, right? Shlosh klipas tameus, that are tame, that those are these, these are entities that are around in existence that you and I have no way of elevating. It doesn't mean that they're not coming from Hashem. They are coming from Hashem. But you have no... Ele- there's no way that we can elevate that state. Tzadik also cannot elevate it. It can't elevate a, a, a davar acher. It's the thing. It's not like what the person... It's not... Excuse me. It's not that a person can't elevate. It's just that the thing itself... Can't be elevated. Right, right, exactly. Like kosher, kosher food. I'm right. not kosher food. Right, exactly. That's what we're talking but about. Why exactly. are there three This is idea of chesed gvur and tiferes. Okay, so it's good. So the idea is, however, then right as Tanya explains in chapter chapter seven, is that there is a concept called klipas noiga, that is also sitra acher. In other words, a cow is not Kedusha. cow is Sitra Acher. It's the opposite of Kedusha. This, I mean, we're going to go on a tra- tangent right now. Just push the button on tangent mode. Right? <laughs> this is why, really, if you look at traditional Chabad Hasidis, why it's so different from everything else. Right? It's so much more in line with Kabbalah. 
because the whole world right basically says that there's three things i've talked to you this is this is lecture number 322 backslash a right that that the whole world right says that there's three things in existence there's kedusha right which is like doing a mitzvah there's klipa which is doing an avera and then there's neutrality which is 80 percent of life like watching the super bowl is like it's not an avera it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you can't do it it's not kedusha also right but it's like like it's fine it's not a problem Playing tennis, not a problem, right? What's the big deal, right? It's like this whole 80% of life. And along comes Tanya, which is basically, you know, just explaining what Kabbalah is saying. And it's saying, no, 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 there's, it's either Kedusha or it's Klippa. That's it. There's no three, it's two. That's the whole reason why, well, I don't know the whole reason, but this is the concept of why chapter six of Tanya, when it, we're starting to discuss the Nefesh of Bahamis, only talks about two elements, only Kedusha and Klippa. Yes, at the end of chapter 6, it mentions the idea of Klippa Esnoga. But for all intents and purposes, it's only two elements. Because a person has to recognize that there are only two elements going on in existence. It's either Kedusha or it's Klippa, one or the other. That's it. Now, having said that, once you have that as the basis of your understanding of life, then you could add chapter 7 of Tanya. Chapter 7 of Tanya then comes along and says, but wait a minute, there is an element within Klippa which we are meant to be working with and, so to speak, elevating. That's called Klippa's Noga. But don't make the mistake to think that Klippa's Noga is neutral. It's not neutral, it's Klippa. And unless you're actively elevating it, you're actively being pulled down with it, which comes to play with, like, for instance, kosher meat. Right? If you're diving into the steak, mitzad the taiva of the steak, or, you know, maybe if you're a vegetarian, diving into the tofu, mitzad, the Indian of the tofu, right? Whatever, right? So the point being what? The point being that you now are being sucked down with the klipa. Yes, you can elevate it, uh, you know, by doing tshuva and by using the energy to learn Torah and stuff like that. But you're making a trace in yourself that is still going to be klipa. Because for that period of time, now you are involved in klipa. And not only that, that is, the Alter Rebbe explains, that is what gives you a possible desire, right, to go after things that are unkosher. In other words, it makes no sense that a Jewish person should ever have a desire to eat anything that's not kosher. It absolutely doesn't make no sense. Why? Because he has an Ephesus Lakis, which is coming from Kedusha. He has an Ephesus Bahamias, which is coming from Klippas Noga. So why would he eat something and have a desire to do something that is below his source of where he's coming from? Absolutely no chance. It's impossible for a Jew to have a desire like that. Unless he has caused the Klippas Noga that he was involved in to be pulled down to three Klippas Timaeus. Now he's getting his energy from three Klippas Timaeus. So when I dive into that steak or that piece of tofu, right, and I'm diving into it, Mitzad my taiva. So right now I'm getting my energy from three Klippas Timaeus. Because now I'm getting my energy from three Klippas Timaeus, I've now lowered myself down. And now I could have a desire for something that is from three Klippas Timaeus. Otherwise, I would never be able to have such a thing. Okay? So having said that, that is why the traditional Chabadskar thing, I mean, it's a little bit, now we've become a little bit more modern. Even in the last 20 years, you could see a big difference in Hasidim, uh, their involvement in the secular, in the, in the Gashmistic world between now and 20 years ago, right? And the importance of the Gashmistic world. You see a very, very big difference in the way that people act, Right? let alone from 100 years ago, is that if 
the whole world, as the Fidika Rebbe says, it's Hayom Yom, right? The whole world says, if something is forbidden, I'm sorry, if something is permissible, then for sure, take advantage of it. And if something's forbidden, let's see if we can find a heter to be also involved in it. That's the approach of the whole Jewish world, the whole Orthodox Jewish world. Along comes anyone that, you know, Chabad Hasid is in Kabbalah and says that's not the right approach. The right approach is whatever is forbidden is forbidden and whatever is permissible, we have to determine first and foremost, is this necessary? It's a very, very big difference in terms of approach of life. To tradi- that is the traditional Chabad approach to life. Recently, for some reason, like I said, for the past 10, 15 years, all of a sudden it's become different, it's become mixed, it's become changed a little bit. People are going after buying you know, expensive cars and expensive this and expensive that and putting a lot of money like, uh, into all different types of crazy things and whatever. This is a new, a new thing. This is not a traditional Chabad approach at all. But this is what it's based on. This is the whole Nakuda. Okay, you have question number one. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that this is a little bit of an unrealistic uh, approach uh, on, on the one hand, but it's, it's what we're aiming towards. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy what you're eating, right? They're just using a food as an example. Of course you can. But the question is, can you uh, be a little bit more focused on what the food is for as opposed to just diving into it mitzah the taiva? Like, no one's, we're, like, right, the famous story of the Alter Rebbe, right? I haven't tasted food since, uh, since it was by Mezrich, right? The famous story with the salt and everything like that, right? So we're not holding on that level. That's not the level that we're holding on, and it's not expected from us to be holding on that level. But on the other hand, on the other hand, there is a concept of thinking about what it is that you're doing. I mean, I wa- I'll use the word, I mean, it's, it's been unfortunately used uh, much more uh, in the non-Jewish world, but I think it's a good word to use, but this idea of being like mindful of what it is that you're doing. Like being focused, right? So that's what a lot of Hasidus is about. Being focused on whatever it is that you're doing, right? Whether it's eating, being focused. Why am I eating? What's the point here? What's going on? Not because I want to have this savory feeling of like, like the greatest high from the, from the taste of this red wine. No, it's like there's a focus, there's a purpose, there's an there's a idea. Or when I'm going to work, why am I going to work? Or when I'm, whatever it is that I'm doing, right? In other words... Hashem is not asking us to go and go to a monastery and sit in the Himalaya mountains and meditate. That's the opposite of what Judaism is about, right? We are supposed to be totally immersed in the world, involved in the world. But while being here in the world, we have to be focused on elevating the world. That's our job, right? So be, along with that elevation is being involved in what we call Klippas Noga. That's part of it. Yeah. So, you're, so the altar of it saying Klippas Noga is klipa. Um, it's klipa. But the, the, the thing that stuck out to me that you said is the active involvement of us is, right. what, it's, is what elevates it. So it's almost like it's, exactly. it has that potential. It's either drawing us down unless we're actively... Exactly. It's like an escalator that's going down and you have to walk up. If you're walking up it, you can walk up to the top of the escalator. So but if you stand means. still, then you get pulled down. That's where the mindful, that, like the focus... That's right, that's right. In, because otherwise, if you're just, even if you're eating uh, kosher, kosher food, right. 
what even though that's official, but even if you're eating that, like unfocused and you're thinking about what not being present, then in a way, but what that kind of drawing you dragging exactly, you exactly, exactly. And just to end with one point. Um, with regards to this, that's what it talks about. If you remember, in I think you guys all finished Shuva Yisrael by now. I think you, most of you are starting Shorish Mitzvah Tefillah. If you remember, about five pages into the Mimer of Shuva Yisrael, it basically talks about how a Jew has so much responsibility because he could take that apple, for example. I think that's the example I gave there in the Mimer. Right? He could take that apple. That apple is, is... What? Beer. I used a beer? Yeah. Is that an example? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Beard? Beer. Oh, beer. Drinking a beer. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, so the idea is, I usually give the apple as the example in that class, but uh, whatever. Anyway. Um, the point of the apple is the poor apple is a poor apple. Poor apple is sitting in there in the world and it, and it wants to be elevated. And it's the Jew's opportunity to elevate that apple. And if you mess up the opportunity because you're just diving into the deliciousness of the beer or the apple or whatever or the purpose of getting drunk, right, whatever it is. So then the point is, is that you've now messed up the whole thing. You messed up the whole creation. Because that beer, right, oh, oh I give the example of the, of the, of the kernel. That's yeah. the example. Okay, I remember that. Okay, so that example is a perfect example because the idea is that the poor Klippas Noga food, whatever it happens to be, is relying on me to elevate it. And if I'm not going to elevate it, then it's going to be, then it, 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 it blew it. You can go and I look, look over there in that, uh, in that teaching from that mimer, from uh, Shuvah Yisrael. It's probably one of the last uh, classes uh, of what we're doing. All right, let's stop here for today.